We want to read from two different texts this morning and we want to talk about catching the wave of God's move. Or if you want, breaking camp and advancing. You know, God always wants to move us to greater heights. Years ago, I remember Rick Godwin, he was reading from the book of uh, Zechariah and some of the prophets, Haggai and, and all of that. And I believe it's in Haggai where God says that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. The reality is that God never goes back to the former glory. God always moves to higher heights, to a greater glory. But the key is in us learning how to catch the wave of the new that God wants to do. The key is in us moving forward and advancing as the Spirit of God tells us to do so. Deuteronomy chapter 1, I'm reading from the NIV Bible, from verse 6 to verse 8 reads, The Lord our God said unto us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance. Tell your neighbor, break camp and advance. Tell your other neighbor, break camp and advance. Tell your other neighbor, neighbor, I am breaking camp and I am advancing. He says, go to all the neighboring peoples in Arab, Araba, in the mountains, in the western hills, in the Negev, along the coast to the land of the Canaanites, to Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See... I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of it. Can I hear a good amen? amen? When God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, it was to take them to Canaan land. Because any time that God takes you out of somewhere, he is taking you into something. You see, God always had incredible plans for your life. You may come out of a background of drug addiction, a background of a lot of evil around your life. You may have killed and murdered people. It might be you didn't commit any of these outward wrongs, but you were just one of those people who, in their heart of hearts, you knew you were really evil through and through. And so God comes in and takes you out of your Egypt. Takes you out of evil. But anytime God rescues you, he doesn't just do it in jail and for the sake of doing it. God always is a purpose-driven God. And there's a reason why God changed you. God takes you out of something to bring you into something. And he says to them, I have given you this land. I took you out of Egypt to bring you into Canaan. However, when you came to Mount Horeb, you stayed there. 
you stayed there. And you have dwelt too long on this mountain because they had come to this place three months after their departure from Egypt and they stayed there for one full year. You see, when God took them out of Egypt, he told them, I want you to keep your eyes on the cloud by day and on the pillar of fire by night. There's not going to be any program. I'm not going to forewarn you. When you see the cloud move, when you see the pillar move, you must follow. Therefore, I don't want you when you get to any place to settle in, dig your roots deep in there. You don't need to build houses. You don't have to have anything permanent. You've got to live in tents. And so anytime you see me move, you've got to break those tents and move and follow. What most people don't know is that you can backslide even when you are not doing anything wrong necessarily. See, when the cloud moved and when the pillar of fire moved, God said, you as my redeemed people, you must move as well. Watch this. If God moved, but they remained behind, they will have backslidden. They're still in church. They're still talking the talk, but they didn't move on when God moved on. God wants us to move on to the next. God wants us to move on and advance and move forward. Where as long as they were under the cloud and under the pillar of fire, they had heat during the cold times in the desert. During the day, they were protected from the scorching sun of the desert. As long as they were under the cloud, they had provision in terms of manna and quails. They were protected from the snakes that bite in the desert. But as long as they were under the cloud, they were protected. However, if they didn't move on when God moved on, even if they were the redeemed of the Lord, even if they were God's children, if God moved on and they remained behind, they stayed behind and they became vulnerable. If the snakes came, they would kill them. If the snakes beat them, they would die in the wilderness. If the sun came up, they would be scorched and they would die in the desert simply because they didn't move on. So God says to them, I want you to move on. I want you to advance. I don't want you to stay here for too long. There are many of God's people who never move on when God tells them to move on. They never get rid of certain things in their life and call certain things and say this is the past. There are people who get married to their yesterday and get married to their past and even many years later, they are still talking about the tragedy that happened years ago as though it happened yesterday. But what God wants us to do is to advance. Look at your neighbor. You need to advance, especially you. You need to advance, especially you. You need to advance. You are not advancing in any way. The word advance means to move forward in a purposeful way. To move forward in a purposeful way. And the synonyms of that word advance means to move forward, to proceed, to move along. Tell your neighbor, move along, neighbor. Tell your neighbor, press on. Push on. Push forward. Look at your neighbor, make progress. Make headway. Look at them, look at them, forge on. Gain ground. Gain. Neighbor. Gain. Advance. Advance. 
You know what's in God's kingdom? God wants us to advance. I've become more convinced the longer I've served God and the longer I've watched how God works is that God doesn't have a word in his vocabulary that is called enough. It doesn't exist. In God's vocabulary, because he is able to do more than enough. That's why he is called El Shaddai. It means the God who is more than enough. You know, I mean, I mean, David, he sets his table for me in the presence of my enemies. He says, my cup, he doesn't fill my cup. He says, my cup, oh, come on, I can't hear you. He says, my cup does what? I, I can't hear you. He said, my cup shall, yeah, yeah. God calls us to an abundant life. When you say something is in abundance, it means it's present, but it's more. You can see if it's, it's abundant. Yeah. Jesus said that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came. I came. <laughs> that you might have what? Life. And have it what? Have it what? Even I abundantly, more, more abundantly. God doesn't know the word enough. Yeah. So you, 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 you can't stop as God works in your life with one thing. You know, God, God doesn't want you to have one branch. He wants you to have more branches of churches. God doesn't want you to have one business. He wants you to have, oh, you're God, God doesn't just want to, 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 to supply your needs, but he supplies your needs according to his riches in glory. Come on now, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. Paul, when he writes to, to the church in Philippi and the ones in, in Ephesians, he says, he's, in Colossians, he says, every one of you must work with your hands so that you must be able to give. Come on, Saban, work enough to supply what you need, but I have more than what you need so that you are able to give. Okay, Alebona, you, you are not thinking about that. God wants us to have the mentality of more than enough. More than enough. And that's why he wants us to move forward. He wants us to advance. Tell your neighbor, I'm advancing. I don't know about you. Now I'm advancing. <laughs> the word advance means to make or cause one to progress. And the synonyms are promote, to feather, forward. So advancing is a forward movement. Advancing is development. Advancing is improvement. You have the DNA of advancing. Because wherever God comes, even when God finds things in a state of tovabohu, when he says, let there be light, you have the seed of God on the inside of you. And that's why there's something about you. When you are not playing to your level, you are not happy with yourself. There's something about you that when you are not advancing, when you are not moving on, God's not going to let you rest. God's not going to let you be comfortable in, 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 in less than who you are. God wants you to advance. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to advance. Wants you to advance. Advancing speaks of positioning oneself to move forward. God says to them, you've dwelt long enough here. You've been here in Horeb. 
My goal is not Horeb. My goal is Sinai. I want you as my children to move forward. And I don't want you to position yourself as failures. Just like a sapphire who rides the waves and positions themselves to ride the waves so as to move forward. God wants us to take that position. We need to position ourselves and place ourselves in a strategic place and locate ourselves to move forward. Grace Bible Church, that we have been around for 40 years is just entry level. Prophet Ralukulala last week said it is just training. We haven't started working yet. You see, the people who self-understand this concept that to move forward, you have to ride the last things that you were riding on and get on the next thing that is starting. Watch. A surfer watches the movement of the waves and they locate themselves in a strategic position in relation to the wave. When the right wave comes, they approach it from an angle that will allow them to cooperate with the wave as they ride it to higher heights. God always works in waves, in seasons, in times, in history. God works in a cycle. God works in a, like waves. And it becomes important for us, whatever wave we are on, whatever season we are on, we ride that season. But every season will almost like a wave come to an end. Because God always moves us from glory to glory. From faith to faith. But remember, the old wave is still as important as the new wave. Because just like the, the steps of a ladder, every rung is important. The first step is as important as the last step that gets you to get to your goal. So the way God works is to say, don't destroy the other steps. But don't camp at the other steps. Add them to your body of knowledge. Let them be part and parcel of your history. But understand, you need the old to get to the new. But when I show you the new, get on the new wave and move on. Don't camp. Don't stop. Don't stop with one church. Don't stop with one degree. Don't stop with one business. Don't stop there. Tell your neighbor, move forward. Tell your neighbor again, move forward. Tell your neighbor, move forward. So God always wants us to work that way. And one of the things I'm trying to impress on a lot of young leaders is to say, note, God always weaves the old generation and the new generation. Right? What we've learned from our forefathers, we don't discard it, nor do we disconnect with them. I mean, if you look at any invention, I mean, the first plane that flew, I, maybe I didn't, I should have researched this. This has just come to me. You look like you will know my brother. I don't know. <laughs> if you don't know, you don't sit in the front row, you see. I'm just joking. I'm saying. How many of you remember? I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe some of you know. How long did the first plane fly? How many seconds? Huh? seconds. How much? 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Then I'll come this side. I think we have some educated people around here. <laughs> I think 30 seconds. When the Wright brothers made the first plane, but it's after how many times they had failed? 
Was it not 99 times? Huh? They had done, I think it was like 99 experiments or something. You mean the whole church doesn't know? This is... Not even one person knows. All right, I'll stick with you, my brother. At least you are better than the rest of us. At least you know. Yeah. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. But now you can get on a flight and fly for 18 hours and 20 hours nonstop. Right? And what happened? They built on the foundation of the Wright brothers. Right? The principles they learned there, they didn't discount them. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you, Bazana? And the same must apply in the church of Jesus Christ. You see, as we learn new things, we don't discard the old. You see, you see, as we learn new principles, we don't get rid of. Secondly, remember, we still refer to the right brothers. It's part of history. We've intertwined that generation to the new generation. I mean, Hona Nongre Samakadi A380A. Big one. Carry about how many passengers? 400, 500 passengers in one plane. This thing is huge. The right brothers, Nebali, two fellas, they even killed the president of a country. You remember that? Yeah. So in the church, we must learn to interweave the generations. Can I hear an amen? amen? Let's go to John chapter 5. I want to show you something about moving forward. About riding the next wave. This is a very interesting story, and I'm reading the New King James Version. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there in Jerusalem, by the ship gate, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, that had five portions, in this lay a great multitude, watch this, this is important, of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, underline that. For the angel went down at a certain time. Underline that. So there's a certain time, or you can call it a kairos moment, where there was a window called a rega, a window of opportunity where the angel came, stirred up the waters. Right? Now note, it says, and the angel stirred up the waters, then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now remember, these are blind people, lame people, paralyzed people, all kinds of conditions, right? What did they have to do? They had to keep their eyes on the water, be aware of the opportunity, and when opportunity presented itself, they had to do something about it, in spite of their condition. Please listen carefully. Says verse 5, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. So here's this guy. He's been sick for 38 years. We don't know if he's been at the pool for 38 years. We don't know that. Marok Salayo, he's been sick for 38 years. We don't know how old he is, but he's been sick for a long time. Are you there, Bazalana? Yeah. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that this man had been in that condition for a long time. Now note, Jesus knew that. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? Our edges. You know this man has been sick. You know that. Not only that, 
you know the reason why he came to the pool of Bethesda. If you know that, why are you asking him? That is one thing about God that most people don't understand. People assume God knows my situation, so he will help me. There are many people who are very passive about their situation because they are waiting for God to intervene. But God doesn't just intervene on his own. Even if he knows, he's waiting for you to take a step of faith. Jesus asked the guy, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? And you'll understand the importance of this question because how this guy responded, it shows you how his condition had damaged him. Not, only, not physically, but in his mind and in his heart. Yeah. Why do we need to pray? If God knows, I mean, Jesus taught, your father knows the things that you need even before you ask him. So if God knows what I need before I ask him, why must I pray? And I want you to get this point by his. Even if God knows, God has set a principle. And the principle is, you need to take the step first. You need to come to God in faith. It says, he who comes to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God wants to have a point of connection. God wants to have something he can work with. God wants to have a, a way in which he can move in your life through you asking, praying, taking a step. Many people that, Jesus, that came to Jesus, as I told you in the past, Jesus performed, in the Bible, we read about 12 miracles that Jesus performed. We know it was more than that, but a record of 12 miracles in total that Jesus performed. Of the 12 miracles that Jesus performed, 10 of them were initiated by the people. I'll to tell you something. You're busy saying God knows Akisebet. Yeah, he knows, but he's not going to do anything about it. Look at your neighbor and say, that was meant for you. I feel like that was meant for you. Yeah, God knows that. Well, he's not going to do anything about it. God is expecting you to take a step. Tell your neighbor, God is expecting you to take a step. Now, now, now. Let's look at this story. Let's look at this story. The sick man answered and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another one steps down before me. Wrong answer. This answer, is, this question is simple. Do you want to be made well? Either air, he comes up with a long story. Why? Because you see, he's been sick for a long time. When you have camped at a place for too long, it affects how you think. There are many people who have accepted their condition as permanent. Many people who feel that things will never get better. Even when there's a window of opportunity to get out of the situation, they will not take it. They come up with a story. Say, say I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but whilst I'm coming, another one steps down from me. It's a very long story. It's a very long story. 
But Jesus, you know, God is very compassionate. That even if we laugh, he brings you back. Jesus says to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. In other words, Jesus redirects this man. I'm trying to help you, dude. I can let you help you, not young people. Dude, I'm trying to help you. When are you going? Bring him here. Now, let's, let's break this thing down. Note, Barcelona. It's amazing how all these multitudes were waiting for the water to be moved at a certain season. Just like a surfer who's waiting for the movement of the waters, watching out for the right wave, adjusting their angle of approach so as to cooperate with the wave. God always has seasons where he wants to take you further. God has times in your life where he works in a supernatural way to try and push your life to another level. Very interesting that this man is lying next to a pool which name is Bethesda. The name Bethesda means house of grace. It means house of mercy, house of oil. He's lying next to the house of mercy, the house of oil, the house of grace, but his condition doesn't match what he is lying next to. And the reason his condition is not represented by what he is lying next to is because of his frame of mind. This was a place of healing. This was a place of the supernatural moving of God upon the human body. All that God wanted you to do is that when he stirs and when he moves, you step in at the right time. You step in when opportunity presents itself. And when you step in, no matter what has been wrong with you, your life is going to change forever. But this man, instead of doing that, even when Jesus, the Son of God, is standing in front of him, even when the healer of all healers is standing in front of him, when he's asked that question and the opportunity is presented to him, he is still thinking about what other people can do for him. So there's no man. When Jesus is standing next to you, you don't need any other person. Not Basalab. His condition that has been there for long had affected his thinking. He'd gotten into a state of what some called land helplessness. This 38 years had made this man to feel helpless, to avoid negative situations because of his previous experience. What was his previous experience? In the past, when he tried to go into the pool, other people jumped in before him. So because this has happened for 38 years, he's no longer trying. Some of you, you've had many failed attempts in your life. And now here you are, you are in this land helplessness. You have stopped trying. You have stopped attempting. You have stopped dreaming. You have stopped believing. You have stopped moving forward. This man's previous condition had affected his faith. It had adjusted his view of himself. There are many people who stop setting high goals. They'll go to a low goal or if possible, they settle for failure and they make a truce with something that is beyond who they are. They stay in Mount Horeb when they are supposed to be moving forward to another place. So this condition of learned helplessness is when people fill themselves with negativity 
And they feel helpless and they feel nothing can ever change. I believe we need to preach this more than any time in our community. Particularly in this time when we are surrounded with so much negativity all around us. It seems like every story you hear is a story of sadness. It's just a story of despair. There's no ounce of hope. This can cause us all to settle into a mode of negativity where we never believe that anything good can ever happen. And so we stop pursuing who we are. We stop taking advantage even when opportunity is presented. We won't move at all. This man, not only did he have learned helplessness, he has what somebody called analysis paralysis. This is where people become so overtaken by their negativity that they won't even try. Or they analyze and overanalyze to a place where they overthink the situation and they never take action. A decision becomes overcomplicated. They make too many detailed options so that at the end they never make a choice. They make freedom so complicated, move it to the next level, so complicated that they stop trying. You know, I was saying in the first service, you know, in my line of work, I have to go to meetings. And, and, and I hope you heard what I said. I have to go to meetings. And I must, I must myself, I don't like meetings. I have to call them because we have to meet and talk. But I just don't like meetings. More so if we, all we do is to have meetings and we don't do anything. It's very sad for me when there's a situation at Lang, and then they interview one of the leaders and he says, no, in our conference two years ago, we came up with a document where we analyzed the situation and we came up with a four-step strategy to the six-step solution of the 10-step after the... And, and, you, and you're thinking, so that's all that happened to the conference, eh? 250,000 rands later, after Leiji Lego conferencing, all you have is a document. But it hasn't translated to anything on the ground. Yeah. But this is what happens when you have been next to the pool of Bethesda for a long time. You get to a place where you are paralyzed in doing anything. Or we come up with decisions that are so complicated. You know, I always tell people that I lead with, I say, please, how long are the documents? Make it as simple as possible. You know, some documents, it is so long, it's so complicated that you, you really need six months to understand what they're saying. In the process, things are getting bad out there. Sometimes people are seeking an optimum, perfect solution up front. And they have a fear of making any decision less that they are wrong. Or they want the best solution. But I found in the Bible, there are many people who took steps and they never thought over certain things. Imagine David facing Goliath. How David? How do you think when? If you listen to me, Katie King, you probably let your neighbor Katie King. Just tell them Katie King. Just explain it to them. They don't know. Particularly, I'm a 2000. You probably explain it to King. How do you, with a sling and a few stones, how do you come against a guy who's a giant, a trained soldier, who has a weapon and a shield and is dressed in his armor? How do? What do you think? You, you're not even old enough to shave. 
That's why you are not even conscripted into being a soldier. What do you think? But I think God likes people like that. Because David didn't analyze too much. He just said, this guy is a Philistine. I am a child of God. How can this man defy the armies of the living God? I know what God has said. My plan might not be the best. I may not have analyzed anything. But there's one thing. This guy is going to bite the dust. I'm going to bring him down. Oh, do we have people like that in the house? I'm going to bring him down. Yeah. You know what I found out in life? Many, many times, it's not really the people who have come up with complex things who have made it work. Uh-uh. There are many people who, they didn't even think their strategic plan was not the best. Their approach was not the best. They got up and they did something. I see you as that person who gets up and does something. Instead of lying by the pool for 38 years. And when you ask the question, you come up with a long, complicated answer. And Jesus wouldn't take that. Note what he says. He says to Jesus, Sir, I have no man. So that's the other thing. People with this land helplessness, they have a dependency on other people. The sooner you learn, Bazalwan, that even if people love you, people can never play the role of God in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a big mistake when you abandon your destiny into the hands of other people. Thank God when people help us. Thank God when we have parents who are involved in our lives, pastors who are involved in our lives. Thank God for that. Mara, even when they help you, they can make you what you don't want to become. And we need to say this because I think in the time we live in, we have too many people who are coming up with excuses. Listen, if you grew up without parents and you were abused by your younger brother when you were two years old, and this happened 40 years ago, I just want to ask you why are you still talking about it like it happened yesterday? And you are blaming your failure on your younger brother who beat you up 40 years ago. I've never understood it. This man says, I have no man. You don't need another man to move forward. Even if your family can forsake you, God is still on your side. Even if people can plan for your downfall, God is still on your side. I'm not hearing you. We've got to teach. I'm trying to teach the young people today. Or young people, you can't always be blaming your parents. You can't always be blaming society. We started this church at the height of apartheid. 1983. When we went to the bank to ask for a loan, they wouldn't give us a loan because of the color of our skin. But I can tell you in my heart, from day one, when I became pastor of the church, I said to the people, you know what, Bagit? From today, we are going to do things for ourselves. I'm not hearing that amen in the heart. 
We're going to believe God. We're going to take the little that we have. We're going to start with the little that you have. And we're going to believe God. If people help us, God bless them. Mara, I'm not going to go there with holes in my shoes and a torn jacket asking money from them. I'm not going to do that. We are going to try with what we've got, no matter how long it takes. You have to get to that point, my brother, my sister, where you don't leave your destiny to other people. Can I hear a good amen? This guy says, I have no man. I have no man. We have to get to that point where we say, whether I have no man or not, whether my family supports me or they don't, whether my friends support me or they don't, whether they give me money or they don't give me money, I've got a vision burning in my heart. I can see the opportunity. I want to advance. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to move on. Can I hear an amen in the heart? Oh, yeah. Think about this. I like the man in Mark chapter 10 by the name of Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus had a different attitude altogether. In Mark chapter 10, we read about this man from verse 46. I'm not going to read it. He was blind. He had heard about Jesus, that Jesus heals people. So one day as he's standing by the side of the road, he hears this noise. And from listening, he can tell that it looks like Jesus is passing by. So because he's blind, he can't see. He inquires from the guys who can see. Hey, gents, come run at your soul. So he says to them, can you take me to him? And just like people, but no, he's not coming to you. He's not coming to you. Because you see, there are people who don't want you to reach out for things to get better for your life. They are happy how they are happy when you are bound like them. They are happy when your life is not. Uh, come on, am I, am, I, am I talking? Am I talking to people in the house? The, 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 the minute you start taking steps to move forward, no, 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 it's because you're trying to move forward and they don't want you to move forward. Blind Bartimaeus, if he was like this guy at Bethesda, he would have stopped there. And some of you, you stopped because of people. Yeah. People killed your vision. Yeah. They took away your vision. You've stopped dreaming. You no longer want to go where you wanted to go. Because of people. Or it was a joint venture. Your partner, the lion's share. Remember, Bazalana, they may take away your money, but they can't steal the vision in your heart. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I, I, I was telling somebody, I said, listen to me, listen to me. When you're a dreamer, when you're a visionary, God hardwires this vision into your DNA. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Into your DNA. They may take away what you have given birth to, but they cannot take away the ability to give birth to a new thing. And if you can give birth to one thing, you can give birth to a number two and number three. Let them have number one. Years ago, we, when we wanted to start a church, you know, we wanted to go to Midrand. We started a church in Midrand years ago. Years ago. I'm telling you now, many years after. So you all know what I'm, who I'm talking about, what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the principle. Yes, we sat at the church there. And then one day I go to this church, our church. Our church. Hey, 
When I get there, the pastor says to me, well, we have decided to have a new name. Yeah. The Lord spoke to me. I see she's so surprised. I'm still here, my dear. Can you see I'm still and I'm smiling? Can you see I'm smiling? And they said to me, the Lord spoke to me to change the name. You know, I had an, the Lord intervening. And I remember I came back to the leaders and I said, hey, Vazalan, hey, Varshapileka Zingzong. This person is taking the church from us. But when I went to the church, when I assessed, I could see that the people who had already been poisoned. Not all of them, not all of them, because some of them remained faithful and still came to our church. But I could see a few of them. Because I could they lobby them at night. So I can assess our comrades, Kabona Rai. So let me show you a powerful principle. Let me show you a powerful principle. This is a powerful. You see, oftentimes we think when we are being attacked, is the end of everything. There's a way to counteract the attack with biblical principles. Right. Don't be too emotional. You understand? Don't 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 fight. Just so I just said, look, instead of him stealing the church, I'll give it to him. You know, it's like somebody there's no need. It's like some of you you are choking. I'll tell you why. 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 See, I never understood that portion of scripture when Jesus says, if somebody hits you on this side, move the other side. I'm afraid before And he didn't mean it literally. He was just using uh, a hyperbole, yeah, it was just exaggerating. When, they, when you go five miles, Lebona, and they force you to go ten miles, so it's don't resist. What he was saying, what he was saying was this. Find a way to turn a negative situation into your advantage of power. Mamela, he's saying when they come out against you, when start activating the principles of the spirit world. Because evil can never overcome good. That's why Jesus says, overcome evil by good. Right. Darkness can never overcome light. So when you turn on the principles of the kingdom of light, it just annihilates. So so when someone tries to steal, there are people, but some of you, you know they're not going to pay you back. I can say, why? Because I'm not going to pay you back. I'm not going to pay you back. I'm not going to pay you back. You are fighting. You hold them with the heart. You you over wish it's a bad. Take your baggy work as a suit. Over wish it's a bad. By doing that, you are entering into their darkness. But by doing that, you are making yourself vulnerable. You are playing at their level. Mama to beat your enemy. Don't play at their level. Put 
put them at a level where they can't handle you. Don't, don't try to match them pound for pound. Ah, have a strategy. Yeah. So I said to our leaders, I said, but now, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to release that church. Church of God says, you can have the church, you can have the instruments, you can have everything. I'll the next, even the offering. Yeah. I can I can I can answer. Yeah, come on, come on. And I said, you can have everything, everything. And then they went on. That church is not there today. Because, they can steal what you give birth to. They can't take the DNA that's hard caught into you. Our problem is we are short sighted. Yeah, yeah. Church not there, we here. We don't only have one church because we gave it away. God gave us back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Now we have 39 churches that have joined us, Cantwena, and we have other churches elsewhere. Oh, I see that happening in your life in the name of Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus, instead of being angry with them, because they wouldn't help him, he said, okay, I may not have eyes. I may not see. But I've got a voice. <laughs> you see, you see, well, 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 when you become bitter, you even forget of the things. No matter how disadvantaged you are, there is something that you got and there's something that you can do. Oh, yeah. Blind better may have thought, all right, they won't help me. Mara, I've got a voice. So he starts shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you think people will give up. They come back and say, you're making noise. Are you there, Barcelona? That's, that's, that's people, they, they want you to fail like them. They want you to be in their WhatsApp group. Can, can I hear an amen? They want you to be like Oh, but the Bible says he shouted even the most. Listen to me. When people stand against you, don't stop what you're doing. Just do more of what you're doing. Can I hear a good amen in the house? Just preach more. Reach out more. Pray more. Love God more. Read the Bible more. Give more. Just keep doing more and more and more. Because the only way to counteract evil, overcome evil by good. Keep doing more. Of good. When your family tells you you've been praying, Comrade Jesova Haho, Bona Ona Lumusaveti, Bona Iki five years was a canning, Bona Ibila Runa, Rauta, when I hobbit the bag, how about the back door, how about the Luchungula, we get a non bona fellow room, Bashita young, what's back in? I will continue saving Murana Chesa Kitsakim Bashile. Can I hear a good amen? Yes, I'm seven, Luchesa. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says, and Jesus stopped. Because God can hear the cry of faith. God can hear the cry of somebody who is determined. God can hear the cry of somebody who wants to go to another level. Can I hear an amen? And God's not going to turn his back on you. God's going to listen to you. God's going to move you to another level. And when Jesus stopped these hypocrites, say, hey, be of good cheer. He's calling you. 
In verse 8, about this man at the pool of Bethesda, after he comes up with this answer that I have no man, says, and Jesus said to him, and Jesus said to him, and Jesus said to him, Jesus says, I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about you. I'm appealing to the greatness that's in you. I'm appealing to this giant that's sleeping on the inside of you. Leave other people out of it. They're not going to help you. Leave circumstances out of it. I'm talking about you. Jesus said to him, Jesus is saying in essence, I'm trying to find out how desperate you are. I'm trying to find out what you are willing to do to get to the other level. I'm trying to check if you will move to the next level, if you will advance to the next level. And then he advises and he instructs him to do three things. Number one, he says, rise. Rise. That word carries the idea of collecting one's faculties. Of waking up. It means you come up from disease or lying down. In other words, Jesus says, a wave is coming. Get into position to ride it. Rise. The word rise figuratively means to rise from obscurity. To rise from inactivity. To rise from ruins. To rise from non-existence. Some of you, we have missed you for a long time. We've been seeing a shadow of you. God is saying to you this morning, rise. Rise. Get up and take what belongs to you. Stand up and take the step. Come up, take your rightful position. Don't depend on other people. Don't blame anybody. Push yourself. Get up. Rise. Then he says, after rising, take up your bed. In other words, confront everything that was a symbol of your captivity. Take the initiative to confront these things and do something about it. Take up your bed. And then he says, number three, and walk. In other words, get moving. Why? Because God walks with the walkers. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thou art with me. David is saying, the only reason you are with me is because when I see the valley of the shadow of death, I don't turn and blame anybody. I just arise and I just keep going. And as I walk, when I'm with 
When Jesus told Peter to come out of the boat, Peter got out of the boat and he began to walk on the water. God was sustaining him because God walks with those who walk. Mara, after a while, Peter put his mind on earthly things and he began to drown. But God is so gracious that Lausama and you fail. He stretches out his hand and he says, I'm forward to come up. God walks with the walkers. And it's interesting that this man, as much as he took up his bed and he walked, he forgot that it was the Sabbath day. He forgot that on a day like this, they were not supposed to do any work. What am I saying? When God begins to work in your life, he's going to violate established tradition. God is going to do in your family what has never happened before. God is going to do in your community what has never happened before. God's going to do in your life what has never happened before. Because when God begins to work, he doesn't care how things have been happening. God is doing a new thing in your life. Because he's a God who wants to do a new thing. He wants to get you on a wave to go to higher heights. And so even in the face of resistant forces, God wants us to step up. Let's conclude. What do I do then to catch this wave of revival? How do I break camp and advance? Number one, nurture the spirit of expectation. Expect God to do great things in your life. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm expecting great things from God. Yeah. I'm not packing my life yet. Mm -mm. Mm, I'm not disengaging yet. I don't know if I will disengage. I'm expecting God to do great things in my life. What are you expecting? Don't be like the man at the pool of Bethesda who was always expecting others to overtake him. Who was always expecting others to get blessed before he got blessed. Don't be like him. Number two, take initiative when God presents it. In other words, when God speaks to you through his word, through the sermon, through his spirit, take the step. When God shows you things to do, do it. If it's in his word, if it comes from God, do it. Take initiative. Don't be a passenger in life. Be an activist. I like activists. People who do something. Number three, I love this one. Refuse to play the blame game. Refuse to play the blame game. Don't ever blame anybody. Even if they should be blamed, don't blame them. Take responsibility and say, okay, it has happened, but uh, I can move on from here. I know it will take me longer to achieve certain things because of what has happened, Mara, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But then we could have easily blamed apartheid that we can't build a building. Mara, during even when the banks said they won't give us a loan because we're black, God made another way. But you see, God doesn't make a way if you don't move. Yeah. We wouldn't have known about future growth had we not started building. Like I told you, when we ran out of the money and we needed five million, we tried, we knocked on, you know, you knock on every door. 
You know, sometimes you don't know what to do. Or maybe threaten them. <laughs> you don't know what to do. I mean, yeah, you, I mean you, you've, you've been working with these banks for years and years. They've, they've processed millions of rents through their accounts. But now when you're asking for a loan, all of a sudden you're a risk. <laughs> I couldn't understand this. And you know, they write you these nice letters. Those of you who, works in, who work in banks, ask this. They write, they write these nice letters. It's beautifully phrased. Hurry. After a long consideration. First of all, congratulations. They say, congratulations for your initiative to build a building in such a poverty-stricken and You are an inspiration to many. However, after careful consideration of your, your... You know, they are about to pop your balloon right there. I read this letter and think, these people... I won't name those banks. Four big banks. Four. I don't have unforgiveness, Mara. Four big banks. I won't name them. Because there are some people who are working for those banks here. And then I thought, okay. I remember when after we tried the last bank... And you know, they promise you for a while. You know, they string you along for a no, we will consider carefully. We'll just, we just a few things. Give us this, give us this. You give them all the documents. Give us this, give us your constitution, everything. And after that, they say, okay, we'll give you a response. Two weeks later, they come with this letter that is so nice. But at the end, we regret to inform you. And I'm reading this letter and I'm thinking, all right. So we prayed. And God worked out a miracle. Somebody who was working for Future Growth, who was not even in our church at the time, Aluko Mafikeng, was working for Future Growth, heard from somebody via somebody, through somebody, because of somebody. Anybody knows this kind of thing? You know, when God works, you don't even know how it got there. I don't know how she got the story. And then we met with Future Growth, agreed Libona, and then we got the five million. I was so glad. And then, as you know the story, we paid it, we paid it back. Listen to me, Bazaman. Make sure that you refuse to play the blame game. Because I could have stood here and said everything about these banks that are run by white people. I wanted to say that, comrades, but what does it help? After Uchiloyalo, then what? Kikobaulubutsa, then what? Then what? You still, you, still, you still have five million rands to raise. Yeah. Don't play the blame game. And finally, push yourself. To respond correctly when the moment of opportunity comes. Push yourself. I found that success is not delivered to us on a silver platter. People have the wrong concept about God. They think that they must just lie passively and God will do everything. He's not. God has never worked like that. It's very few times where God just does something for people even if they don't believe and they're not asking. So only a few times, only the children of Israel, he brought them out of Egypt and they were not believing, they were not, okay, they were believing in the way they got, you know, tired of it. They would complain, God would still give them food. They would criticize Moses, God would still heal them because Moses would pray for them. But God came to a point and said, no, I'm tired of these people. He said, all of you from 40 upwards, I'll start with these new ones. I'm tired of you. You people, all of you from 40 years up, you, you'll just see Canaan. Mara, you won't get in there. I'm tired of you. You are always complaining and you are not learning. And then a new generation came up. 
of those who believed, those who trusted God, those who didn't want to blame anybody. And my question is, will you be part of that new generation? Will you be part of that new generation? That's my question. Will you be among those people that God can use mightily by his power, that God can move them to another level? You can catch the wave of God's move. That when God begins to move your heart and challenge you for another season, you move on. I believe, Bazalana, the coming word explosion, God's going to speak to us in very, very special ways. I'm ready for it. Because as we heard last week from Prophet Ralakulela, we were in 40 years of Bible school. Now the armies are ready. And we're going to do so by the power of God. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes with me, everybody. Father, we want to thank you for who you are and all the things that you do. We thank you that you're a good God, worthy of all the praise and the glory and the adoration. Our heads are bowed. Please, our eyes are closed. Nobody moving around. I want to ask. Just keep the doors open, ushers, please. It's very hot, if you don't mind, please. Just keep them open. It will help us. It's very hot. In this auditorium and in all the other churches that are streaming, if you are here and you've been invited, this might be your first time. And as you've been listening to God's word, you realize, you know, God wants to move my life to another level. God wants to move me to another place. Regardless of how wrong things have been in your life, regardless of the many decisions that you've made that you're not proud of. Today you're hearing God's voice. Like the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus is asking you, do you want to be made whole? Do you want your life to go in a different direction? Do you want God to change your life? Our heads bowed, please. Our eyes closed all over this auditorium and even the other churches. If you say, you know, my life is not going the right way. I really want God to come into my life. I want Jesus to come into my life and make me a child of God and change me. I need prayer. If that is you, our heads bowed, our eyes closed, please. Nobody moving around except the ashes. If you say, please pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my life and my heart. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Just... Raise your hand right where you are. Raise it high. Thank you for those hands. I see them now. Raise them high. Let me see them. God bless you. See, God is able to change lives. Doesn't matter how long things have gone wrong in your life. All those who raised your hands, would you please just stand on your feet right where you are. And even in the other churches, those who are live streaming, just stand on your feet. Just stand right where you are. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. It's you see, in this place, we, 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 we believe in doing this because we know that God changes lives. Now note, the reason I'm asking you to take a step is because as you've heard, your life doesn't change by you being passive. If you sit there and you feel embarrassed, 
and you feel like you can't do anything about it, even if you know in your heart of hearts you need God's help, nothing's going to change. Jesus always calls on people to take a step and to move forward. May I ask all of you who are standing, who raised your hands, I want to pray for you. Would you please take your belongings, don't leave your belongings behind, and just walk to the front here. I want to pray for you. Come, let's pray together. Give them a big hand.